Hola a todos. Welcome to another episode of Doses of Darling. To those of you who are joining for the first time, either listening or watching, welcome. My name is Darling Membreño and I am a licensed professional counselor associate here in Texas. To those of you who have subscribed to the channel and are listening now to the sixth episode and you've been following along, thank you first of all and welcome back. Today's episode is going to be um, veering a little bit away from the theories. I know we already talked about internal family systems. We brushed upon somatic healing last week. And so this week's episode is going to talk, be talking about um, intergenerational trauma. This is a trauma that shows up almost in everybody because basically what happens is it's stuff that's passed down from generation to generation, as we will hear our lovely guest explain. And so I've struggled with intergenerational trauma myself, and I think it's a really interesting topic, especially for the Latino community. So without further ado, here is our guest talking to us about intergenerational trauma. All right, everybody, this episode is going to step away a little from the modalities for now as we will be discussing an area of focus that many people suffer, especially in the Latino community. We're gonna be talking about intergenerational trauma. Today, we have Evelyn Mejia, an LMFT, or Marriage and Family Therapist of La Mariposita Healing in California. I came across Evelyn on Instagram and have often shared her posts or things that she reposts in my stories because they speak so much to how I grew up being bilingual and bicultural in this country and like the struggles that I went through because of that. Evelyn was born in Guatemala and raised in San Francisco's Mission District. And I reached out to her because I saw that the population that she works with mostly are first-generation folks and children of immigrants. I have mentioned the Latino population quite often on my podcast already because I believe there's major work to be done in our community to even just like start getting people in therapy in the first place. I feel like the further generations, it's easier to kind of get them because of like the social media thing where therapy is such a big deal now, right? And everybody's on that therapy train, but the older generations and like the first gen people, those are like my, my, I mean, they're special to me and it, it's, it's, they have a special place in my heart because it's the way that I grew up and it took me such a long time to get into therapy. I knew how important it was, but I didn't get into therapy until like late twenties. So we have such creencias, right? Que la terapia es nada más para locos y um, necesitamos comenzar a sanar esos traumas que, que cargamos y que podemos pasar a nuestros hijos o que nos han pasado a nosotros. So, para eso está este podcast, para correr la voz y ojalá poder convencer a quien se pueda de la comunidad latina que busquen servicios terapéuticos, asistan a terapia y sanen lo que tengan que sanar para ya cerrar esos ciclos de, de dolor y traumas que han pasado. So, this is exactly why I decided to bring Evelyn on as a guest because intergenerational trauma is so present in the Latino community. And I wanted not only to bring awareness about what it is, but also what steps can be taken to heal it. Evelyn, in her practice, uses her culture and trauma lens through several modalities of therapy in her practice. Um, some of the modalities that she incorporates are attachment-based, some psychodynamic narrative, and so many others. And so Evelyn, 
first of all, thank you so much for joining me today and for taking time out of your busy schedule to be on my podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm excited to have this conversation and, and you know, aquí contigo. Um, and yeah, it's it's a it's what I'm passionate about that I you know it's something that I've been doing for so long. Um, so I'm excited to dive into the conversation. Super. All right, let's get into it then. So I always ask my guests the question, this question to start off with. Um, what inspired you to get into becoming a mental health professional mm-hmm. initially? Yeah, um, I think for me, it has been a combination of my personal and professional experiences. Um, so I was born in Guatemala. Um, I came to the U.S. when I was nine years old. Um, my mom was actually the one who immigrated first to the U.S. Um, and then I, you know, my, my, myself and my, my siblings, my two older siblings reunited with her after a few years. And so, um, you know, Technically, I was raised by my grandmother for a, a few a few years, like my early um, childhood years. And so I have that experience of, you know, um, being an immigrant kid growing up in a single with a single mom, um, experiencing, you know, violence in, in the home and mental health challenges. Um, and so I. I have that personal experience, right? And, and in terms of my professional experience, um, I started working as a like a peer counselor when I was very young, um, and you know supporting other young people like myself, and that just kind of like ignited a fire in me um, of what I wanted to do um, as you know a profession. Mm-hmm. Um, and so eventually I started doing uh, community work. You know, I worked as a family advocate, a case manager for um, a domestic violence shelter, for a family resource center. And so that, you know, coming from, from that um, work experience, right, you get to see, I think you get to witness, right, the disparities that exist. Um, and like I said, combining that with my personal experience where I got to not only, um, witness it, but experience it as well, um, really, um, like I said, ignited that fire to, to want to be in this field. And when I was working in community, um, organizations, I saw the, the need for mental health services, and at that time, it was really hard to to connect folks to mental health services because there wasn't a lot of resources, um, you know, waiting lists and just navigating that system was very tricky. And so, um, yeah, I was I was drawn into I was drawn to wanting to do that um, mental health work from them. And I feel like those resources that you're talking about are kind of still difficult to find, right? Mm-hmm. To a certain extent, um, a lot of the population that you serve maybe have to be on social services sometimes. And 
those can take such a long time to provide whatever help is necessary at a specific moment. So um, maybe it's not waiting list so much anymore, but still some sort of a wait because then people like us, mm-hmm. there's it's still difficult to find like raza que está en este tipo de ambiente también that provides mental health services for our community. Yeah, it's still really hard. I mean, you know, there's, I, I think we've made a lot of progress in some areas, right? There's, you know, there's a lot more uh, Latinos, you know, mental health providers, right? Like I see us growing, um, but, you know, yeah, there's also systems in place that make it really hard and are just not very friendly to navigate, um, especially, you know, especially if you don't speak the language, mm-hmm. um, makes it really, really hard. Yeah. Did you get into a mental health program straight out of high school or did you have like a different journey before you got to this career? Mm, no, I I kind of took my time like deciding what I wanted to do because I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I wanted to actually, well, I, I wanted to be um, a communications major initially. Um, because I wanted to um, do like TV or like radio kind of stuff. Um, and then um, then I shifted to, to psychology. Mm-hmm. So I got, um, I did my undergrad in psychology, um, took a c- couple of years off, and then I went into my, my master's. And I, I really enjoyed the, like the individual work. Um, you know, when, when working with, with folks in community organizations, I really liked um, just working individually with folks. And so I wanted to be able to do that, um, which is why I went the uh, therapy license, um, marriage family therapy uh, route. Instead of the psychology route? Instead of the, I guess the, like the social work, crowd or like I wanted to do more of that individual work with folks yeah. um, which is what drew me to um, the the marriage family therapy um, right awesome mm-hmm. all right well thank you so much for sharing that part of your story I I love to learn what kinds of detours and what things led people in their lives what confirmed like this is what we want to do because I you know I've shared in my first episode, what like mm-hmm. got me here and I had to take a detour myself before I, I decided to do this at 35 years old. So I really appreciate that you shared that with us. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Um, I think it's, you know, it, it's like a calling too, right? Like um, sometimes when I'm sitting in sessions with clients, I feel like uh, I get this feeling like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. Um, and that's a really great feeling to have. You know, when you're feeling really fulfilled, really confident and and just, yeah, like this, it's hard to describe the the feeling that I get, Um, but I do feel like it's a calling and and a gift um, to to be able to hold space for folks uh, in, in this way. Yeah, it really is. I, I understand exactly the feeling that you're talking about. You use the word fulfilling. I think that's the perfect mm-hmm. way to describe it. You know, you're sitting there, people are sharing all of these things with you and it's, yeah, it just, it 
fills your body with warmth and light and to know that you're there to help guide and heal and do all the things that mm-hmm. help people get to a better place in their life. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Let's get into intergenerational trauma. Um, first question, I guess, is can you explain to us what it is, how it manifests in people? Um, I know that we're going to talk about like how it manifests in people and like how we deal with it in the Latino community. I don't know if there's a difference. And so maybe you can explain it to us. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I think um, in simple terms, um, essentially intergenerational trauma is the effects of trauma that get passed on um, through generations, right? So for example, if um, your grandma, for example, experienced, um, you know, violence growing up, um, you may have, um, you know, maybe low self-esteem, complex post-traumatic stress disorder, right? Like these are the lingering effects, I would say, of trauma. Um, And um, I think it's also important to know that it's often referred to as transgenerational trauma, which I think it's interchangeable. The, the terms are interchangeable. Um, but yeah, essentially it's like the effects um, that a, that trauma um, can have on someone that are passed down from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. How would one figure out that that's what's going on within you? So like, let's say I show up in your office and I have really low self-esteem. I suffer from depression what is it that you would do in session with me to help me figure out, oh, it's actually because of your great grandma or your grandmother, like you mentioned, that mm-hmm. suffered X, Y, and Z things that you feel this? Um, I think it, in my practice, the way that I do therapy, um, I'm very, um, the the lens that I use when I'm working with clients is trauma right it's looking at family history looking at like what was it like you know what do you know right because sometimes we don't know what do you know about you know your grandparents what do you know about your your mom your dad right the people that were closest to you what did you see growing up did you experience right what was it like um you know when you had big feelings right um growing up and so getting the like, gathering all of that information, um, that's how I approach the work that I do, right? And then um, trying to um, almost make connections like um, with what you may be experiencing in the present moment with what may what you may have experienced in the past. Yeah. Um, do you do that via an intake? Do you do it just asking like narrative? Do you, or motivational interviewing, or do you do a genogram? Mm-hmm. Um, I, so this is work that takes, um, I would say a, a, a few sessions, right? Like 
um, you could gather some information on like an intake or an assessment right at the beginning of when you're starting to work with someone. But I think it also takes um, time to really gather um, someone's history. Right? Um, and also, you know, when, when you come to therapy, sometimes it's not, um, it takes time to get clients to, to that point where they're really opening up. Right. Because a lot of the time at the beginning, we're just, you know, like developing this trust, right? We're just starting to develop this relationship where um, the where you can feel comfortable mm-hmm. enough to share like what's going on with you, right? Or what is your history? Because a lot of these things are, are very, they can be very hard to talk about, right? They can be very... Um, extremely extremely hard to talk about and so I don't expect my clients to um, come for a session and just tell me everything right it takes time to really um, like I said gather um, someone's story and the impact Um, I think that that part of, of really gathering the impact that the story has had can take months you know sometimes we don't even know like we don't even know the impact that these things have had on us yeah um and so it takes a lot of exploring it takes a lot of um even like challenging ourselves to think about you know things in a different way um so yeah it's um, which is why i really like doing you know private practice work because i get to do that with clients right um, sometimes when you're working in, you know, community mental health, you know, you're working under these, um, you know, systems, right? Um, you, it can be very limiting in terms of the work that you can do uh, with, with folks. Yeah, with limited amount of sessions and like, yeah, all these other things. Yeah. yeah, billing and notes and, you know making and, and the time right sometimes you have um a set amount of time that you you that you have to be able to work with with folks and it's very goal driven too so yeah that can can hinder a little bit of that deep work that can be done yeah I love that you mentioned that because I know that sometimes when we go to therapy and we're in crisis mode we want like quick results <laughs> and we like, you're right. Like the first few sessions, we're building rapport with the clients. We're forming those personal relationships. And it takes, it takes a lot for a person mm-hmm. to open up and be comfortable enough with a stranger who is us. Right. And, and as the therapists um, to even get to those deep things. So I appreciate that you mentioned that, like, it's going to take a few sessions and you mm-hmm. said it can take months. It can take a really long time. Um, and that's why it's so important. Sometimes we say, oh, I didn't click with that therapist. I didn't really, we have to give us, you you guys have to give us like four sessions at least (laughs) to know for a fact, like "Mm," it's like dating, right? Let's give them four dates. Let's give us four sessions at least see if we can build some rapport and, and see if you have that, like that bond, you form that bond so that then you can open up. But then 
otherwise, right? You find another therapist and it's another minimum four sessions until people open up. So yeah, I, yeah, it's a long process. It's a long process of like finding the therapist and then finding that connection and then beginning to finally figure out what's going on um, in the sessions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. It can take a while. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think it, that's why it's so important to, um, when you are looking for a therapist to, to connect with them, you know, and I really like doing like video calls with, um, with clients when they're first reaching out to me, mm-hmm. because that way they can get a sense of, of, of me, I can get a sense of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a lot of, for a lot of um, the clients, it's that first, like, you know, connection that's going to tell you, like, you know, is this right for you? Is this therapist right for you? Um, so, yeah, trust your intuition as well. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So we're getting a little bit off topic, but it's, yeah, <laughs> it takes a while to get to the point of realizing that there's generational trauma. Um, and so I guess the next question that I have for you is, I know every individual is different and you work with different modalities, but what have you seen, if any pattern of what modalities work best to help heal generational trauma? Um, so I, I don't prescribe to one modality mm-hmm. and I tell, you know, my clients that um, because I think it's um, at least the way that I see, you know, this work is it takes uh, like an integration of different modalities, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to um, look at attachment, right? Like, you know, who did you grow up with? Who was there when you were crying? Right? Like, um, who was the the person, your, your person, right? That you felt connected to, um, um, and what was that like? Right. Um, so I tend to use, like I said, attachment based, um, psychodynamic, right? Like really looking at, you know, your your experiences, your early childhood experiences, um, trauma, right? Again, what has happened, how, what has made almost like an imprint on, on you and your person, right? So looking at, um, you know, looking at it from that lens. Um, and then I do a lot of narrative also where, you know, I'm um, supporting clients in um, almost rewriting a, a new story, right? Um, and that can also be a combination of, of cognitive, you know, therapy, right? Like a lot of the times we need to, bring in um, cognitive or CBT uh, techniques, right? If you're constantly battling with, you know, these internal messages, right? Um, I, I like to call it like the little voice that you hear sometimes that can be really negative, very pessimistic, or just very judgmental of yourself, right? Like um, using some uh, CBT techniques, to um, you know challenge those thoughts right to challenge that little voice um and so f- for me it's a combination of, of all of these things and i also i 
Um, I'm very sabbatic in my approach in terms of like, how can we connect you to your body, right? Because that's going to help you to, um, to know um, and to develop self-awareness, right? Like if you can um, begin to uh, notice what happens to your body when you, um, when you get triggered, right? Or when something is off, um, it's going to help to, it's going to help for you to be able to identify like, okay, I'm feeling this right now. I'm feeling, you know, my shoulders are tensing up. I know I'm about to get into, you know, fight mode, right? Um, and so developing, you know, that self-awareness around your body and really connecting to your body, your body sensations so that, again, you know, you can bring in all the other tools, right? To, to really create some change. I love that you brought that up because I just recorded the episode on somatic healing and yeah, intergenerational trauma not only, you know, messes with whatever thoughts are going on. I mean, you're talking about CBT and we want to change the narrative that we have of things that happened in our past, but then when our traumas manifest somatically, it's so important to that then do that energy work and that spiritual work and mm -hmm. just the, the physical work as well. I love, love how everything's just like flowing together with the topics yeah. that I'm recording. Um, do you have an example of a successful or like most moving case of a client making strides in healing generational trauma? Mm, let's see. I've had a, a few clients that come to mind mm -hmm. um i i tend to see a lot of um like parent mother um daughter wounds um and so uh, and a lot of them you know are first generation you know women that come uh, and then we do a lot of just exploring um, their relationships with their with their mothers or their caregivers right um, and what that was like um, and I think for me success like uh, an example of a successful case is when um, the client can can begin to um, identify their their needs um, because a lot of the times what we learn is you know we almost like we we don't know ourselves enough to really know what we want right and so when I when I whenever I get to witness a client begin to assert their needs, right? To identify their needs, because a lot of the times when they first come, it's, um, you know, and I'll ask, well, what is it that you want, right? They, you know, a lot of the times um, they don't know. They don't know because they haven't really had um, a space to, to really talk about um, what, what are their needs, right? Yeah. Um, a lot of the times we're made to feel like we're too much or we're asking for too much or, you know, and so I see that a lot too. Um, and so 
beginning to again to identify to him when when I can witness a client identifying their needs and and being okay with like that's what I want mm-hmm. um, I I I think that's one example of a successful case oh yeah that's awesome so what about generational trauma and men or male identifying people does it manifest differently or the same ways as women because you did mention that a lot of what you see that's generational trauma it's like mother wounds mm-hmm. with their daughter so would it be something similar is it like a father wound is it a mother wound if it's presented in your office um yeah I haven't had a lot of men come into my practice mm-hmm. although I do love working with men because um it's very uh, it can be like a new challenge in terms of you know getting them to a place of, of really opening up mm-hmm. um and beginning to identify you know um some of those wounds um and the effects that these wounds have had on them, right? Um, but I think in in a lot of ways, it can identify very similarly, right? Like whether it's a mother wound or a father wound, um, they can identify very, very similarly. Mm-hmm. Um, for men, I think it's much, much harder to um, really get in touch with their their feelings, not to say that men are not, you know, sensitive, because I, I actually believe that men are a lot more sensitive, um, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not nurtured in them. Right. Yeah. Um, and so for them, it could be much, much harder to really connect with their bodies, with their feelings. Right. Um, and which is why, yeah, I, I, I love working with men because it's, like I said, it's, it's a challenge um, and not in a, in a bad way, but it can be very, you know, um, fulfilling work when, once you get to a point where you're really um, letting them ex- explore their feelings mm-hmm. and connect to and connect to themselves which is what I feel like I do with a lot of my clients I I help them connect with themselves Mm -hmm. yeah it is it is a little bit more difficult to get men to open up and I mean just to get them in the therapy room but Mm -hmm. um yeah it's a little bit more difficult for them because you're right their their emotions haven't been nurtured or um they haven't been allowed to cry or like express whatever emotions are happening. And just, especially in the Latino culture, it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's something that's very suppressed and we still need to work on a little bit. So are there any resources that you recommend to continue learning about intergenerational trauma, either as work outside of the therapy room or between therapy sessions? Um, I tend to, um, recommend, um, podcasts and not any, any specific, you know, podcasts. Um, sometimes, you know, if I, if I listen to something, 
Um, sometimes I, it reminds me of, you know, a specific client or the work that I'm doing with clients and then I'll, I'll send it to them and, and share it. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think. Natalie Gutierrez. Mm. And it's called The Pain We Carry, Healing mm-hmm. from Complex PTSD for People of Color. Mm-hmm. That's one that I would uh, recommend. Um, and I'm always, like I said, I'm always listening uh, or di- like digesting content um, because I like to, to, um, to offer it as a supplement for my clients and, and the work that we're doing. Yeah. Um, Dr. Bima Brian is also another really good resource. I love listening to her podcast. Um, or sometimes when she's interviewing in other podcasts, I love listening to her. Okay. Um, but yeah, any you know, and um, she goes by Cosmic Christine. Christine. Oh my God, I'm blanking out on her last name. Um, she goes by she, what? Uh, Cosmic Christine. Cosmic Christine. Okay. And she wrote uh, the book I Am Diosa. That's also another really great. Yeah. I think her last name is Gutierrez too. Gutierrez too, right? I was thinking about that. <laughs> I have it in Spanish. Yo soy Diosa. Oh, nice. Gutierrez. Um, I'm, I, was like, I, yeah. I was thinking, I was thinking, I think her last name is Gutierrez too. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, those are some of the, you know, the women that I love listening to, um, especially because, you know, the, they're women of color and kind of bringing that perspective into, you know, the, this healing work that we're doing. Um, I also, I think um, there's another book called um, My Grandmother's Hands by Resma mm-hmm. Menachem. It also talks about intergenerational trauma from people of color's lens. And yeah, it's a great, great really book good. because it, it gives you, I think at the end, it gives like some exercises, right? Some like breathing exercises or visualizations that one can do to start healing those Mm -hmm. um, somatic things that have been passed down. It's a great, great source. Um, Anything else that you can think of that you might think that you think might be important for people to know about intergenerational or transgenerational trauma? Mm, I think as first, uh, as, as first generation myself, I think one of the the things that I see in terms of uh, intergenerational trauma and healing, right, um, the importance of it when it comes to to parenting, right, um, you know, and and not to say that you have to be a parent in order to like get to that point of healing, but if you are a parent, just thinking about the impact that your healing has on your parenting right and how important that is um because the only way that we can um disrupt the pattern of intergenerational trauma is um by by healing right and and starting to do the work um so that you can you know, do things a little different, right? Whether it's, you know, again, whether you choose to be a parent, if you're a parent now, 
or if you're just wanting to heal for yourselves, right? Um, I, the, the phrase, you know, nothing changes unless something changes comes to mind, right? It's like, unless, you know, something um, like disrupts that pattern of passing down um, this uh, intergenerational trauma, it's going to continue to happen. Right. And and that's not to say that, you know, you're going to get it right. Or even this idea of like healing, I think sometimes people think that it's almost like a, a final destination, right? Like, oh, I'm going to get there and I'm going to be all good. Right. Mm -hmm. But no, it's like it's continuous work. Right. You're always going to be growing and learning and figuring out new things about yourself. And so. Just know that it's not, you know, um, like a, a stop that you get to. Um, it's more, it really is more of a journey and, and, and a continuous practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. And I, I love that you mentioned that. I think, again, I, I mentioned that in the first episode that I recorded of this podcast. It, I think it literally is called like the healing journey. And I... Mm -hmm. I drive the point home of how messy healing can be and how many times people can backslide and fall back into the same patterns and how much grace that we have to give ourselves yeah. if and when we do backslide, if and when we do start repeating patterns that, you know, kind of take us back to a place that we're not so proud of. So yeah, it's, it's an ongoing thing. You continue to grow, but there are things that are going to take us back to certain moments at times and we just have to give ourselves grace and continue to grow and learn from whatever experiences we go through in life. Yeah, for sure. Um, I always tell my clients, you know, that uh, the when you're catching yourself, right, in, in those moments, um, you know, even, even that is progress, right? Even that is um, you're you're building that muscle of, of self awareness, yeah. and, which is what, what's gonna help you to um, choose different, right, um, and not um, continue to get caught up in these old patterns. Yeah, yeah, I like the way you put that. You're building that muscle, and don't get discouraged if the muscle fails sometimes <laughs> yeah <laughs> it'll get stronger for next time yes all right well thank you so much for talking about that um i want people to get to know you um how can people find your services in california first of all and then i love all of the posts that you have online i, I know i'm based out of texas so i'm pretty sure mm -hmm. that people who follow me here are going to start adding you also so if you want to give your instagram your website any other platforms you're on and then if you're doing any sort of workshops in the community in California soon, like speaking at an event, holding a workshop, et cetera, this is your time to share. Um, yeah. So you can find me on um, at La Mariposita Healing um, on Instagram. Um, and my website is also um, at lamaripositahealing.com. I feel so privileged to have had Evelyn on my podcast. And I hope that whomever was listening to this learned something a little bit about intergenerational trauma and 
how it can be worked through in therapy sessions. I know that I mentioned in the beginning in the intro that I myself have suffered through some generational trauma and I've discovered it through IFS, through some um, EMDR sessions and through some other work that I've done outside of the therapy session via journaling and some other modalities that I've used. Um, So a little tiny dose of me is that in doing the work for intergenerational trauma and how it's affected me, I realized that a lot of the trauma that I've carried with myself were on me, with me, in me, on my shoulders. It's all in different parts of our bodies depending on who we are. Um, A lot of that trauma stems from the matriarchs of my family. So just generations down or behind me, my ancestors of women who have been abused and beaten and disrespected by their husbands, all of that stuff has been passed down to me. And um, I discovered it in a lot of the healing work that I've been doing. And I have been able to get away from a lot of different things and grown also from learning about this trauma that um, I held inside of my body. It It's affected me physically to the point where I've gone far back enough to realize like a lot of my uterine issues that I've had stems from that intergenerational trauma. And so when I've done all of these different um, types of healing, either in therapy or outside of therapy with different modalities that I've used, I've come to the realization that the somatic things that have happened to me are because of this intergenerational trauma that has been passed down to me and that I've carried with me in my uterus and in my chest and on my shoulders. Um, I have been able to do some work in which I have been able to address my ancestors, just visualize talking to all of these females, strong females in my lineage who are really just protecting me, right? From all of the things that they endured and trying to guide me is what I have found that all of that stored trauma was doing, but it was happening in a roundabout way that was being detrimental to me. So once I started addressing it and discovering different parts of my body that were being affected by that intergenerational trauma and I discovered the root of it was these female ancestors trying to protect me. I have felt so much lighter. I have found so much relief and I have been able to discover my true power um, in my healing and stepped into this person who I am now. So, you know, I've been talking a lot about myself in <laughs> obviously called us so darling, but I, I've been talking about my, my healing journey and different ways that I've been able to discover certain traumas that have done a number on my life in different ways. And so the intergenerational trauma that has been passed down to me has been manifested in the ways that I just explained and in the last few years and months even I've been able to address 
and start the healing and have that communication with my ancestors. And I know it may sound a little bit woo-woo to some of y'all, but um, with the communication alongside with prayers and putting everything and surrendering everything to God, those two things in synchronicity have helped me reach where I am today. So this is just one more one more um, example of how I have been able to start healing from all of these different things. I'm not even fully out of the forest yet in healing this intergenerational trauma. That was just one of the things. I know that I also have to talk to the males that came before me in the family and I've had the opportunity to do some of that work also, but um, I know that there's a little bit more to do there and on both sides. So um, I hope that this episode about intergenerational trauma or transgenerational trauma, as Evelyn called it, um, has inspired somebody to delve deeply into maybe something that has manifested somatically in their bodies, some chronic pain. If you're a female and you have some sort of uterine issues or like chest problems or something in your shoulders that you feel like there's a heavy weight I believe it would be well worth it to seek a mental health therapist and figure out, is it intergenerational trauma? Is it something further back than what's happened in my life personally? Because sometimes we grow up in a life, or some people, not myself, but some people grow up in a life where there's little trauma, but there's still something going on and there's still something heavy that they're carrying. And sometimes that's what it is. Sometimes it's something that's been passed down to us that's not even our responsibility, but our ancestors are so worried for us and so overprotective of us that it's passed along to us and then we're the ones that are left responsible to heal it. Heal it. So um, I hope this episode reached somebody and if y'all are interested, again, definitely look up a mental health therapist that works with healing intergenerational trauma and start doing your research, start exploring, start doing the work, start your healing journey or continue your healing journey and ask the appropriate questions um, so that you can reach the best possible version of you that there is. If y'all like these videos or these podcasts, definitely like and subscribe to my channels. Remember, I am on YouTube. I'm on Spotify, I'm on Google Music, I'm on Amazon Music, and um, remember I want to send y'all off with lots of love and light and many blessings. I appreciate that y'all are tuning in. Thanks so much for watching and I look forward to seeing y'all on the next episode of Doses of Darlings.